I have a friend with type 2 diabetes who says he can't drink smoothies because blending fruits increases the glycemic index. Is there any substance to that claim? There could be. An apple actually releases its sugars rather slowly, and that's true for almost all fruits. Then let's say I cooked the apple or I blended the apple, and that causes the sugars to be released rapidly. Hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. And my friend, today we will be raising our nutrition IQs once again as Dr. Neil Barnard joins us for a wide-ranging question and answer session. We're going to be opening up the doctor's mailbag, and that means that he will be answering a ton of your health-related questions. Questions like, how much fat is too much fat on a whole food, plant-based diet? talking about healthy fats there, how much is too much, and then when is it worth paying that extra money to buy organic produce versus the conventional? Had another great question, somebody wondering whether smoothies can raise your blood sugar more than eating a whole fruit, and what are the implications of that for people with diabetes? And then a lot of us wonder about this one. So often we cook at home, but when we do go out to eat, what does Dr. Barnard recommend as far as avoiding oil at restaurants? Plus, another one of the great ones that were in there, do plant fats react differently than animal fats for people who have diabetes? So really kind of scientific there, but a great question nonetheless all of which today, when we open up the doctor's mailbag, going to make us just a little bit smarter and get us a little bit more in tune with our health. And because it's National Diabetes Awareness Month, we're also going to visit with Mark Ramirez. He has an incredible story about recapturing his health. This former college football star was headed down a dark path because diabetes had severely sickened nearly his entire family. He lost his mother to it after she lived with it painfully for years. And so many of his brothers and his sisters also suffering from diabetes. But Mark, this former college football standout, he found a way to battle back and reverse the diagnosis and score a touchdown for his health. And today he is inspiring thousands to follow in his footsteps. And we're going to hear all about it when he joins us here on the exam room in just a little bit. But first, your questions answered as I sit down with Dr. Neil Barnard to open up the doctor's mailbag. We have so many people now waiting to ask questions. The doctor's mailbag today is 
absolutely overflowing. First question comes to us from Dinah. She wants to know, uh, you were just speaking about a low-fat diet. She wants to know how much fatty food is okay on a whole food plant-based diet? How much avocado, tofu, olives, nuts, and seeds should be allowed every day? Oh, great question. It really depends on your goals. Um, if you're a skinny, healthy person, you can probably be more liberal with the oils. Um, but if you want to lose weight, or if you're hoping to reverse your diabetes, or, or really deal with any other health issue, you not only want to get away from the animal products, but I would minimize the oils too. When you do that added step, you'll discover weight loss is a lot better. Um, and you see better results with other things as well. Um, so, and, and by the way, when I'm saying minimizing oils, even extra virgin olive oil, even organic uh, avocados, all of those things will pack some uh, oil in it that will have enough calories to slow down your weight loss, unfortunately. All right. Here's a question now from Tracy. This is one that we get quite a bit. A lot of people wonder about this one. Is conventional spinach okay to eat if you cannot afford organic or is or is that the produce that you should really splurge on and not go ahead and eat it if it is not organic? Um, organic is always better than non-organic. Um, if you have a choice, um, if you have something that's not chemically treated as opposed to something that is, um, it's a good idea. Um, organic is somewhat more expensive. It depends on the season depends on the, the product, but overall on a vegan diet, you're going to save money because you're not buying cheese and steak and so forth. So you can use some of that extra money to, to go organic if you wish to, but with regard to which foods um, does, or where, when does it really matter about going organic? Um, I like to look at the environmental working groups website. They track which foods have most, the most pesticide uh, application on them. And to, to make it sort of simple, Think about which foods are most vulnerable. Um, if a food is grown underground, a root vegetable, you know, the, the bugs are not so likely to attack it as if it's a, uh, a leaf. Also, it, let's say it's a food where you're going to discard the peel. It's not so important that something might have been, a chemical might have been applied on the surface because you're removing that peel, like, like when you eat an orange or something like that. So where is spinach? Well, spinach is a pretty delicate plant, and uh, it's above ground, so insects can get at it, and you're not going to peel spinach. Um, so it's one where, if it's me, I tend to look, when it's the green leafy vegetables, that's where you could just imagine all the chemicals that they put on them to try to drive away the bugs, and that's one where, in my view, going organic really does help. All right. Here's a great question from Salasia. She's wondering, what is a great but succinct resource to explain this way of eating to people who aren't ready to read a whole book? So they want to go vegan, but they don't want to spend a whole lot of time reading. Okay. At the risk of self-promotion, I'm looking around for my copy. I, I wrote a book for exactly that. It's called The Vegan Starter Kit. You know, it, I, I've written about 20 books, I have to confess. And every one of them is big enough to hold. You can use it to prop open a door. Um and I, I feel your pain. People are thinking, gee, I don't want to give this to somebody. They aren't going to read it, whatever. Um, so I wrote this skinny little book. And my deal with my publisher was I want a book that a person can read in about a half hour, 45 minutes, and get the confidence they need to go vegan. Um, what should I do? What should I not do? Give me some starter recipes. It's called the Vegan Starter Kit. Um, do try that out. Um, or if you are super impatient, um, it, you will find uh, at PCRM.org lots and lots of listenables and viewables uh, videos and obviously podcasts like uh, the exam room uh, that you can 
uh, listen to as you're driving or doing something else. So um, hopefully all of those will be useful. We've talked a lot about fat already on the show today, but this is a great follow-up question here. Uh, somebody wondering, is it necessary to include some fat sources in the diet to be able to better absorb vitamins A, D, E, and K? What a good group we have here. That's a, We have we have uh, the A team here. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, those vitamins are fat-soluble vitamins, unlike, say, vitamin B12, which your body doesn't need fat to absorb. A, E, D, and K, you do. Um, but the amount you need is trivial. So you don't have to soak some bacon grease into your breakfast uh, in order to be able to absorb fats. The tiny traces of fats naturally in foods will allow you to do that. So let's say you have some broccoli with your lunch. And you think there's no fat in there, is there? Well, there is. Uh, send it to a lab and they'll tell you it's about 7 or 8% fat. Brown rice is about 5% fat as a percentage of calories. So th- that's really what you need. You don't need to add fat. All right. Here's a great question from the vegan czar. So many people ask about omega-3. This is a hot topic. Uh, The vegan czar on Instagram wants to know, should I take algae-based omega-3s or stick with seeds and nuts only for that? Uh, Nobody knows the the answer to that. I really don't think. Um, uh, The the seeds and nuts give you a little bit for extra credit here. The seeds and nuts give you an 18 carbon chain omega-3 called alpha-linolenic acid. Your body takes that 18 carbon chain. It's like a necklace with 18 carbon molecules. It lengthens it from 18 to 20, 20 to 22. And that 22 one is called DHA. And that's the one that people prize. Your body can do that lengthening. And so plant foods are abundant in that 18 carbon one. Great kind of end of story. Some people rightly say that that lengthening process can be slow. And you're better off getting the DHA directly. Fish is one source, but not a good source, both for ethical reasons and, frankly, for pollution reasons. Um, And you can actually buy DHA supplements that are derived from algae. It's vegan DHA. It's just like fish oil, but except it's algae-derived. And it's good and clean and does everything that uh, fish oil does without the fish. Um, And that's preformed. Should you take it? Who knows? Uh, The science says... That, it, that the DHA, no matter what the source, probably doesn't give you any big heart benefit. Not clear if it'll reduce the risk of Alzheimer's or not. Uh, probably will increase the risk of prostate cancer. So stay tuned. We're, we're learning as we go. Sticking with Instagram questions, here's a good one from Jamie. She wants to know, do you have any tips for a newly pregnant woman who is trying to follow a plant-based diet? What a wonderful gift to your baby. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to, to go vegan. Um, and in fact, it's even great prior to conception because, um, as you know, folic acid uh, supplements are used to keep the baby's neural development healthy. And, and the, na- the natural source is folate, as in foliage, as in vegetables. Vegetable-rich diets are terrific. Um, the rules are really simple. Uh, four food groups should be part of your diet. Those are fruits, vegetables, grains, and legumes, or beans, beans, peas, lentils, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes. Do take your prenatal vitamins. Do not just assume that everything should come to you in nature because while I'd like to pretend we live in nature, you actually live in New Jersey, or you live in Texas, or you live in California, or you live somewhere, which is 
which is not necessarily exactly as natural as you would you want it to be, do take your prenatal vitamins and continue to take them when you are breastfeeding. Uh, breastfeeding, by the way, to um, betray my prejudice, breastfeeding is, is the way to go. It's sometimes awkward and you need some help. Um, get that help, get that counseling and advice. It's, it's, it's great for your baby and it's ultimately great for you too. Um, your baby does need the vitamin B12. That's part of your prenatals and it'll be part of what you're taking afterward. Denise has a question. Oh, about- one, other, one other thing, one other thing. Um, if you're doing a little bit of red wine to relax, stop it completely. No alcohol period during pregnancy. Good tip. Denise has a question. Uh, she's got a sweet tooth, as a matter of fact. What sweeteners are best to use? What do you think about maple syrup or date syrup? Uh, both fine. Uh, really, with reg- um, they're reasonably natural. I would go easy on both, but but there's 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 nothing you could say that really indicts either one. Okay, question from Jason. This is one that we really don't get too frequently. Jason wants to know, I have a very low appetite. He's not very hungry. Do you have any suggestions? If your weight is okay and you're satisfied, that's perfectly fine. Um, and if you're wondering, if, if, you're, if, if the issue is that your friends are saying you're too skinny, you need to eat more, um, this is a good time to go online and just calculate your body mass index. It's a good way to settle the question, am I too skinny or too or overweight? Uh, you go, you uh, go, just, you can Google BMI calculator, body mass index calculator. You put in your height, you put in your weight. It'll tell you the result. And if the result is between 18 and a half and 25, you're in the healthy weight range, meaning you're in a weight range that is not associated with a higher risk of certain cancers, of diabetes, of hypertension, of heart disease, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, your natural hunger drive will, will keep you okay. Now, needless to say, the more physically active you are, that will stimulate a greater appetite. If you run a mile, you're going to burn roughly 100 calories. If you run two or three or four miles, your next meal time, your brain is going to say, let's make up for what we just burned, and your appetite will increase. Let's knock out a couple of questions about diabetes. We have one from Jen, wants to know, what is the ideal fasting blood sugar? I've heard 85, but mine is usually around 90. Both of those are fine. You want to keep it below 100. All right. Etheria wants to know, I'm curious if any studies have been done testing the effect of a diet high in plant fats versus uh, a diet high in animal fats. What effect or what difference there is on diabetes? Okay, we, we've talked about this a number of times, and it's the single most important thing, really, with regard to diabetes. Um, and thank you for asking this. Um, the buildup of fat inside your cells is what causes cells to become insulin resistant. And if the cells are filled with fat, then the insulin hormone can't open that cell up any, anymore. It can't open the cell to let the glucose inside. So there is some suggestion that animal fats are worse than plant fats. They're obviously worse with regard to cholesterol and some other things, uh, cancer risks and so forth. But with regard to diabetes, there's also some evidence of that as well. However, if you have diabetes and you're trying to reverse it um, or get it under the best control you can, don't just avoid all animal products. Do that. Get the animal fat out of your diet completely. But keep the oils low too. And let, let me just ask you to think about it this way. Um, There's no faucet on an olive tree. Um, Olive oil, the only way you get olive oil is by taking 10,000 olives 
and throwing away all the fiber and all the pulp and so forth to get that concentrated oil. Nature never had that in, in mind. It's not a natural product. Um, so if you're eating an olive, okay, but the, the added oils are not a natural thing and they're giving you more fat than you would normally have. So I would suggest minimizing them as well. Final question on the diabetes front from G Family. This is a really good one. Uh, writes, I have a friend with type 2 diabetes who says he can't drink smoothies because blending fruits increases the glycemic index and he would absorb it too fast. Is there any substance to that claim? Uh, yeah, there could be. Um, the, the glycemic index is a test that was developed by David Jenkins, a wonderful researcher in Toronto. And it just measures how fast sugars from the foods you eat are absorbed into the blood. Now, normally it's, it's a good thing for sugars to come from your foods and to get into the blood because sugar goes then from the blood to your brain. It powers your brain. If you don't have sugar in your brain, you don't live. Um, if sugar powers the cells of the body, it's, it's your body's favorite fuels. There are some, there are alternative fuels. Your body really wants natural glucose. Um, so if you're eating foods though, that release sugars, overly rapidly, then they build up in the blood and it takes time for them to get into the muscle cells and into the liver cells. So David Jenkins test, the glycemic index measures how, how well these foods release sugars into the blood and you want them to be released more slowly and gradually and not too fast. Okay. So um, let's say I'm making, I'm eating an apple and an apple actually releases its sugars rather slowly, despite the fact that it's sweet. And that's true for almost all fruits. They taste sweet, but they digest pretty slowly and they release their sugars gradually. That's great. Then let's say I cooked the apple or I blended the apple. I'm kind of digesting it in advance and that causes the sugars to be released more and more and more rapidly. And by the way, this is true for everything. Um, if I take some spaghetti, surprisingly enough, pasta is pretty low glycemic index. Pasta releases its sugars very gradually because it just takes time to digest. But the longer you cook it, the softer it gets, the higher the glycemic index. In other words, the, the more it's sort of pre-digested in your cooking pan, the quicker it will release its sugars into your blood. And uh, this is also, I think, a good time to note that uh, beginning next Monday, you're doing a three-week series based off of your latest book, Your Body in Balance. This series called Tackling Diabetes. Um, three weeks just full of knowledge, uh, one night a week on Mondays. It's going to be fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, it's um, everything you need to know about diabetes condensed into three weeks. Um, and I'm, I'm really hoping that people will join. This is the second time we've offered this series. And we bring in really inspiring guests. I will tell you everything we need to know. And all the participants actually get a copy of my book, Your Body in Balance, which talks about diabetes and other hormones. And it has some of the greatest recipes ever by Lindsay uh, S. Nixon as well. So I'm hoping people will join us. Uh, a lot of people are already signed up and we're going to have a great class. Starts uh, Monday. I think it's five o'clock Eastern, if I'm remembering correctly. I'll have to fact check that one, but we'll get back to you on that. But I do know for a fact, you can go to pcrm.org slash events to go ahead and register. And let me double down and say, yes, indeed. Lindsay's recipes are amazing. Uh, we have time for a couple of more questions. Uh, one from Zoe here. Can a plant-based diet benefit the lungs? Would it be helpful for a person who has emphysema? Um, a plant-based diet probably can benefit the lungs in a variety of ways. Um, dairy products in particular are one that often cause a little bit of inflammation, sometimes a lot of inflammation. And you see this with things like asthma. 
uh, possibly even COPD of various kinds. Once the lung tissue is destroyed, which happens when, when a person has had emphysema for a while and you have lung tissue that is lost all its elasticity at that point, diet changes and nothing else is going to really matter too much for that destroyed tissue. What we want to do is protect the tissue that is not yet destroyed. So yeah, I would definitely get the animal products out of the diet for sure. Question from Aria writes, my husband has arthritis. Can a plant-based diet help him? There have been lots of studies on diet and arthritis. Um, they all have some limitations, but this goes way, way back. A number of them are in Scandinavia where researchers tested uh, ovo-lacto vegetarian diets. In other words, they had dairy or they had a vegan diets without the dairy products. And the, the, a variety of other diet forms have been tested. Long story short, uh, yes, uh, the, the findings are fairly consistent that a plant-based diet can help rheumatoid arthritis. And if I were going to devise a diet, that was really optimal for arthritis, what I would do is take about the next four weeks, avoid all animal products, do it completely vegan and low fat and see how you do. If you still have some grinding in your joints at that point, I would even go further and eliminate temporarily plant foods that might be associated with more inflammation, things like uh, gluten or wheat products, uh, in general, gluten is wheat, barley, rye in particular. Uh, for some people, citrus. For others, tomatoes. And we have a specific uh, technique for trying to uh, tease out which foods might be triggers for you. And if you'd like to, to read about that in detail, you'll see the elimination diet in a book I wrote called The Cheese Trap. Um, and I put it in the appendix because so many people, when they get away from cheese and other dairy products, find their arthritis gets better. Um and I might mention it's not just arthritis, it's asthma, Sjogren's disease, and other diseases that are autoimmune. You want to get away from foods that might that trigger that. All right. Next to last question, I promise you, a question from Madeline. This is really an interesting one. If losing weight is really the key here to being healthy, why do people on keto diets lose so much weight? Is that healthy? Um, weight loss is a good thing to do, generally speaking, but there are so many different ways of losing weight. People can lose weight with surgery. They can lose weight by dramatically restricting uh, calories in general. Um, you can lose weight by doing a keto diet and so forth. But all of these choices have their own risks and their own benefits. With ketogenic diets, the theory is I won't eat any carbohydrate or sugar and or, or very little. And since carbohydrate and sugar is the preferred fuel of your body and you're starving it for that, your body gets desperate, and so it starts to, to consume fat to try to keep things going. Um, but there are a couple of problems with that. If you take the carbohydrate out of your diet, you're eating fat. And if your body just is, is burning up the fat, using the fat that you're eating, it, you find yourself not losing any weight at all. And a lot of people do keto thinking, why am I not getting any results at all? For me as a doctor, I'm more concerned about two other things. If you're eating meat, uh, other greasy foods, your cholesterol level in many cases will go up. Uh, in large studies of ketogenic dieters, bad cholesterol goes up about 10%. The other thing is those foods are linked to other problems over the long term, particularly Alzheimer's disease, uh, certain cancers. And so when we track mortality in people on low carbohydrate diets, it's substantially higher uh, over the long run than people who are on healthy diets. And that's why we never recommend ketogenic diets. 
uh, you can lose the same kind of weight on a low-fat plant-based diet, but all the side effects are good ones. Your cholesterol comes down, your cancer risk goes down, um, plus your environmental footprint and all the other positives. Uh, all those are, uh, are, are improvements too. All right. And the final question on this Friday comes to us from Lexi on Instagram. What's a practical tip? How can I avoid eating oil when I eat at a restaurant? Oh, good luck to you. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, you, you've probably discovered this. Virtually every restaurant in the United States and elsewhere in the world, they know vegan diets. They really can. And some of them have been doing this for a long time. An Italian place, a Chinese place, um, Thai, they, they all have foods without animal products, lots of them on the menu. However, they are in love with their bottle of oil. So they, they really are. Um, so what can you do? Number one, you can negotiate. You can say, um, I, I noticed that you have X. Can you put the sauce on the side? So you're in a Chinese restaurant and you have your rice and vegetable dish. Instead of cooking it in the greasy sauce, have them bring you the sauce on the side. And that way you decide whether you're going to add it or not, and if so, how much. The other thing, here's where I give extra points to Japanese restaurants. Go to the sushi bar. Don't, don't have the fish sushi, unless you're very well insured. But you have the cucumber roll or the asparagus roll or the sweet potato roll. And they really just don't use oil very much in making sushi, uh, Japanese salads, so the seaweed salads, the regular salads, the miso soup, the edamame, it's just not their thing. So extra points for Japanese, other places, probably going to have to negotiate. We did a pretty good job of emptying out this mailbag today. That was quite a few questions you just got through. Well, looking forward to doing more. All right. Now, if we did not get to your question today, have no fear. We will save it and do our best to get you an answer on an upcoming episode. And before we go, I want to say a special hello to Bridget. Uh, She wrote in and said that she just recently discovered the exam room. She began eating a plant-based diet last Sunday, and she's loving it, looking forward to seeing the results. How cool is that? Wonderful. Well, Chuck, it's a testimony to the great work that you are doing. You, you are, you are, Chuck. You are educating and inspiring so many people, and I, I thank you for bringing this program forward. And I'm delighted to be part of the team. You humble me, but it is your knowledge that is going forth in the world, my friend. I want to invite you to join us for the exam room live Monday through Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. That is the best opportunity for you to get your questions answered. And you can interact with the other exam roomies who hang out and raise their nutrition IQs with us. Become part of the healthiest half hour anywhere online today. Would love also just to get a chance to hang out with you as well. So join us, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, over on the Physicians Committee's Facebook page and YouTube channel. You can find a link to both in the episode notes. But if you can't join us live, you can still tweet us your questions. Just tweet them to me, at Chuck Carroll WLC, or send me a message on Facebook. Just make sure if you do send that tweet, you use the hashtag ExamRoomLive. Okay. We've got the insight from Dr. Barnard. Now let's get the inspiration. Imagine that a single disease claimed the life of your mother, has sickened your twin brother, left another brother severely disabled. 
And if that weren't enough, two of your sisters have also battled it as well. And now imagine that doctors have told you that you have the very same disease. What would you do? What would you do? For Mark Ramirez, the answer wasn't simply to accept an unhealthy fate and very likely an early death. No, the hulking former football star began to attack diabetes like an opponent on the gridiron. And his secret weapon? Food. And as we honor National Diabetes Awareness Month, you will hear today that he is free of diabetes and off all of his medication and an inspiration to so many who are still struggling to find their way. Mark, it's so good to see you again, my friend. Hey, likewise, Chuck. Always great to be here and uh, honored to uh, be here in the, on your podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I want to start with your family. And when you think about diseases being genetic related, I think it would be so easy for someone to say, wow, you know, that Ramirez family really drew the short end of the stick with this one. Talk to us about the way that diabetes went through your family the way that it has. Yeah. So again, to your point, growing up, I did believe that. I was told, hey, Hispanics have a high rate of diabetes. My entire family is struggling with uh, type 2 diabetes. And I'm looking at all this devastation that it caused. My mother, diabetic for over 33 years, had a pancreas transplant. I'm sorry, a a kidney transplant. She had two heart attacks. Uh, She was blind for over a decade. Uh, Dialysis, uh, just horrible health for, you know, the last probably 10 to 15 years of her life. My little brother, Mark Martin, he's uh, he's five years younger than me. So he's about 47, but he's he was diagnosed at 13 or 14 years old. So he's had his right leg amputated. He's had two kidney and one pancreas transplants. He's been blind for over a decade, 20 medications every single day. Uh, he's had a heart attack. I mean, just horrible health dialysis for over a decade. Like you said, my twin brother, Joe, he's been diabetic for almost 20 years. My little sister, Sandra, Sandra's been diabetic for about 18 years or so, multiple medications, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all the other things that come, you know, with with chronic illness. My oldest sister, Carol, Carol was diabetic for about approximately five years. And then she saw what my wife and I, Kim and I did to reverse our type two diabetes, uh, you know, diagnosis and, and results to where she adopted a mostly plant-based lifestyle and was able to get rid of her metformin. So all, my entire family's been devastated. And the one sister, Chuck, the one sister I have, Jill, who has not battled with diabetes because there's only one in my family, um, she was she actually donated one of her kidneys to my mother. Um, so no diabetes, but yet still impacted. So it has caused devastation throughout my entire family. And I was headed down the same path. You know, I was diabetic for a decade, for 10 Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And every year, Chuck, it just seemed like I was just getting worse. More medications. Hey, now you have high blood pressure. Hey, now you have high cholesterol. More, you know, different chronic illnesses settling in. I kept trying in that decade, uh, Chuck, to, you know, count carbohydrates, you know, count your calories, 
portion control, exercise more, eat less, all these different tactics and nothing compared to when we adopted a low fat plant-based uh, lifestyle, whole food plant-based lifestyle. I mean, the, the results were very quick and swift and it was just amazing the transformation that happened. Yeah, and we're we're going to get into that transformation. I mean that that is the motivation of the motivation Monday right here, my friend. Uh, but I want to ask you about the day that you were diagnosed yourself and the symptoms that led up to you being in the doctor's office that day, knowing the way that this disease has just ripped through your family. When the doctor said, "Mark, I'm sorry to tell you, but you now have type two diabetes." What emotions were you feeling? Did your heart just sink? I was absolutely uh, devastated. I had seen diabetes start to ravish my entire family. And in 2002, the same year that my mother passed, that's the year that I was diagnosed with diabetes. So I, again, look, looking at her poor health, looking at my, many of my brothers and sisters and the struggles they were going through. And now here it's my turn. Well, it's genes, it's genetic, but I'm looking at my family, at my wife, at my children. I'm wondering, what's that future going to be for me? I mean, my mother passed at the young age of 61 years old after, you know, a good 10 to 15 years of just horrible health because of chronic illness. And she barely got to know my children. I mean, my daughter was nine and my son was six and their grandmother passed. So she would never really get to see them grow up and become the great people that, and humans that they are today. So it really saddened me. And, and I thought, Chuck, is, is this going to be my future? Am I, am I going to be able to see my grandchildren? Am I going to see my kids walk down the aisle or graduate college? I wasn't sure at that time. And this was nine years ago that we adopted this lifestyle. So uh, I, there was a huge weight on, on my shoulders. My wife and I were, you know, would talk about it from time to time. And she was concerned. I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'2". And at that time, before we adopted this lifestyle, I was 260 pounds. And, you know, she's like, how, you know, she's five, four and about 115 pounds. Oops, I shouldn't be telling her weight. She's going to get, <laughs> but she's a small petite person. And she's, you know, she, and she, of course, is looking at our future as a family. What's that going to look like? Is it going to look like Mark's family where, you know, chronic illness and pills. And I remember going to Chicago to see my mom, her kids were small and we'd be like, Hey mom, let's go downtown. Let's go. And, uh, you know, go visit the, the Windy City, Chicago, and have fun. And that darn chronic illness and diabetes, she's like, you know what? I don't feel well. You guys go, and I'll see you guys when we get back. So she missed out on so much, and it was this this chronic illness. And it all started with diabetes. But like Dr. Barnard said earlier, it's amazing because all the things he mentioned, blindness, transplants, heart disease, or heart attacks, it wasn't the diabetes that killed my mother. She needed a double bypass. She went into the hospital at Rush Presbyterian Hospital in Chicago and never made it out after her double bypass. So it's mm. 33 years of diabetes, goes into the hospital for a double bypass because she's got two blocked coronary arteries and never uh, doesn't survive the, um, the heart uh, surgery. So uh, just devastated, uh, devastating. Mm. And, and here's the great thing, though. There is so much power in exactly what Dr. Barnard said, because I read his book uh, in 2011, December 3rd, to be exact. Kim and I read that book. We watched Forks Over Knives, and that's actually how I found out that Dr. Barnard existed. Read his book, and in a matter of days, Chuck, of eating a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based lifestyle, my glucose levels start plummeting, just like he was saying. You know, you get that fat out of the muscle cells and tissues, 
your insulin sensitivity starts to go up, your insulin resistance starts to diminish, and next thing you know, your body's starting to thrive and you, you feel your energy levels, your weight. I mean, everything just starts changing dramatically and for the positive. Now, let's talk about the plant-based diet for you, who was this macho former football player at the University of Michigan. I mean, we're talking big-time college football here. And when you think about big-time college football players, stereotypically, you're probably thinking about steak dinners, just tons and tons and tons of chicken and pork and beef and just all of that animal-based protein that you could possibly shove down your gullet. So that's very much the, the stereotypical thought for a football player, but here you are football player and a plant-based diet. So it sounds to me like you were just ready for a change at that point, but how much did you really have to change that mentality and say, Hey, I can still be all the man that I am without eating these types of things. Yeah. It, it's, it was an amazing transformation. And here's why ever since fifth grade, Chuck, I was playing football fifth grade all the way through college. So I was 22 years old every year. It's football and your coaches and the trainers eat a bunch of protein. That's going to make you big and strong. Eat that chicken, eat the steaks, eat the beef, right? That that's what's inbred in you that, Hey, eat all these foods. And I am 100% certain that eating all those foods for all those decades all the animal products, all the high fats and oils and greasy foods. That's absolutely why I ended up type two diabetic. And that's exactly why my entire family did. And again, you know, football, get big and strong. I was a right guard, 305 pounds when I played at the University of Michigan. So I'm a, I'm a, I was a big dude. And today, Chuck, I will tell you, when, when we started this lifestyle, I was 260 pounds. I'm on insulin shots two diabetes, diabetes medications, a high blood pressure medication, a high cholesterol medication. I'm obese. I have psoriasis all over my scalp. I have heartburn all the time. I'm a hot mess, man, at 43 years old. And then we adopt this lifestyle. And in a matter of months, I'm off all my medications. In two months, actually, in three months, I shed 50 pounds. But it, it is. It's a mentality, sports, football. What's, what's really cool now is when you look at it, the, there's a new documentary. Actually, it's about a little over a year old called The Game Changers. And that takes, and takes a hard look at all these professional athletes that are thriving on a plant-based lifestyle. So that whole myth that you need, pro, you need a bunch of protein from animal products. There's protein in the plant products as well, right? What do you, you know, it's it's amazing to me that people will sit here and say, oh, eat the steak to get that protein. But what does a cow eat? A cow is not eating organic grass-fed beef. A, car, a cow is eating plants. It's eating soy and grains and and, and uh, greens. That's what it's eating. And the ox, the, the largest land animals on this planet, the ox, the giraffe, the rhinoceros, the bull, the stallion, the ones that really do all the hard work what they're vegan. They don't eat animal products. They eat plants and that's, they're getting their calcium. They're getting their protein. I mean, think about those huge skeletal structures and those huge muscles that these animals have. And, and the gorilla, the gorilla that shares the same DNA as a human being to 98.3%, right? They're almost human from a genetic standpoint. Gorillas don't eat meat and they don't drink milk except when they're young from the mother. And then they wean off and they never drink it again. They're eating plants. So this whole myth around protein, and again, I was in that trap. I was caught in that trap. That's what I was being told. That's what I was being fed. But we know better today, and we know that you can get all the protein you need from a whole food plant-based lifestyle, even those elite athletes performing at the highest levels. 
Real quickly, we only have about three minutes left. Uh, talk to me about uh, your biomarkers. I know that you you went over the medications that you were able to wean off of, but uh, how did your A one C numbers improve? So, in a matter of in a matter of two months, my A one C went from ten and a half, the highest it ever was, in September of twenty eleven. We adopt this lifestyle December third of twenty eleven, and in twenty six days, Chuck. My A1C goes from 10.5 down to 8.1. It dropped almost 2.5 points. My cholesterol plummeted 60 points. My triglycerides plummeted 80 points. This is, again, 26 days. And so that was the aha moment for me that said, you got to stay down this path because not only are you losing 5 to 7 pounds a week, but your blood is improving. So in a matter, by the time we got to that third month, I was able to eliminate the medications, slowly wean off them, working with my doctor. But the bottom line is I was able to eliminate those medications. I'd lost all that weight. And now when I go get my A1C, it's always in the fives. My blood pressure is always good. My cholesterol is always in the normal range. My LDL is typically somewhere between, you know, 70, 70 to 80. It's, it's in a good shape. Um, so all my biomarkers today. So I used to go to the doctor three times, four times a year, right? Every quarter, every three months, you go and get everything checked. Now I only go once a year. And when I go, I go with confidence because I know I'm not eating cholesterol. I'm not eating very, very tiny bits of oil if I happen to be out somewhere here and there. But the bottom line is I go with confidence because I know that I'm not eating these foods that are going to cause the damage. That's my man. And you don't miss those steaks and chicken and all of that. Not one bit. And, you know, there's so many other foods, jackfruit, uh, tempeh, tofu. There's so many other foods that take a lot of these similar type textures. But what I tell people all the time, Chuck, it's the spices. If you think back to the, some of the most delicious foods that you've ever had, it's not the chicken or the beef or the fish. It's the spices. It's the rubs. It's the sauces. It's what you're putting on top of that. So all we do is take those same rubs and sauces and spices and put those all over the veggies and jackfruit and tempeh and tofu. Your body's going to thrive, man. So I don't miss those flavors. I still, I'm Mexican, grew up eating Mexican food. I still eat all those flavors, all those spices. I just changed what I put them on and I'm much healthier for it. That's right. And if you take away nothing else from this episode, it's that you should not sleep on jackfruit. That is truly amazing and delicious. Uh, real quick, um, I know that nine years ago, your outlook on everything was just so much different, but I know that you recently had a, a new addition to the family as well. Congratulations. Hey, thank you, man. You know, nine years ago, like like we were talking just briefly before this, so I wasn't sure. Am I going to see my grandchildren? Am I going to see my kids walk down the aisle? Am I going to see them graduate college? And now, Chuck, that whole pressure and weight is off our shoulders. The future looks bright. My wife and my children, my wife's adopted the same lifestyle that I eat. So she's whole food plant-based. Our children are like 90 to 95% there. So they, they're eating much healthier. And everyone, everyone in my family has improved their health because of these changes we have made. So it's amazing. I promise you, if you just give this a try, you, you create some habits that that are healthy habits, next thing you know, your body's going to start to thrive. So you can do, if I can do it, I'm nobody special. I am no more special than anybody listening to this podcast here. So if this jock meat eating meathead can do it, I promise you, you can do it too. It's not impossible. It's I'm possible. You're possible. You can do this. There you go, man. I love that. Some I'm possible. That's powerful. And here's the cool thing is that people are watching you right now. They're like, man, I really wish that I could work with Mark and get my A1C under control, really tackle my diabetes. Here's the thing. You can. You absolutely can. This is, I mean, you you have inspired so many people now through your classes at Chickpea and Bean. You're, you've devoted your life to this. So what courses do you have coming up now? 
Yeah, so we have a actually a plant plunge that is coming up November 9th. If you go to our website, just scroll down a tiny bit and you can register there. We're so excited because we're just we're finishing our, our fourth class of the PCRM combat. COVID-19 with food program. That's been going fantastic. We have a bunch of people that have joined that class with us. Um, so there's a, there's a multiple things going on, but the, the next event we have, is going to be an online event. So you can join us online. It's November 9th and uh, come come to our website, chickbnb.com. Scroll down just a tab and you'll see a link with all the details there if you're interested. All right. And give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, at Chickpea and Bean. I, I love that, man. That, that's brand stability across the board. I love that. Outstanding job, my friend. Mark Ramirez, outstanding job as well on your diabetes reversal and inspiring so many others. Thanks uh, for taking the time to join us here today. Honored to be here, Chuck. Thank you, sir. Head on over to PCRM.org. There are lots of great resources for fighting diabetes on their tips and science. It's all up there, how you can fight back with food. So head over to PCRM.org and look for diabetes. And if you like what you heard today, that inspiration from Mark and all of that knowledge from Dr. Barnard, and you want to share it with the world and help to make the world a healthier place, One of the easiest ways that you can do that is to subscribe to The Exam Room by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever shows are available. And when you subscribe, please also leave a five-star rating and share it with others. Because we need more people to find this information so that they then can turn around their health like Mark and inspire others to follow in their footsteps. It's about paying it forward. And so let's get that started by subscribing to the exam room by the Physicians Committee. I also wanted to share this with you from the exam room news desk. We're taking a look at trends here. And this is a very promising one for plant-based advocates. Google searches for the term vegan food near me spiked by 2,000% over the last five years, according to data trackers over at Thoughtful. Also spiking? No surprise here. Searches for vegan food delivery services. They have gotten a huge jolt since the beginning of the pandemic. And admit it. Admit it, you know you searched for at least one of those terms. You know you did. I know I did. I definitely did. Really quickly, I want to say thank you to Chef AJ for having me on her show recently. She is a ton of fun. Turns out she and I are kind of like kindred spirits. (laughs) And if you want to watch that interview, you can find a link to that in the episode notes. So much in common with Chef AJ. Really enjoyed that, having the tables turned, have someone else ask the questions for a change. That's all the time that we have for today's show. I want to say thank you again to Dr. Neil Barnard for giving our nutrition IQs a boost and to my guy, Mark Ramirez, for his inspiring story. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, 
and keep it plant-based.